listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, the Eastern Conference feels all but locked up, now thanks to the rolling Bruins. Is there any hope for the teams behind them in the wildcard race? Next, the Oilers continue to be the NHL's biggest story with how far they've fallen and Connor McDavid's lack of leadership. And finally, the NHL announced the All-Star rosters and jerseys, so we'll spend a bit of time dissecting those to close out the show. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. We finally got our landlord to come in and fix a baseboard heater that went out this weekend. It was, uh, I don't know if this, actually, you know what? Fahrenheit and Celsius start to equal out around this temperature, so you will understand it. It was about minus 35 this weekend in Montreal. So it got real cold, and one of our baseboard heaters in the kitchen stopped working. And it got down to about four degrees in the house. And that was pretty bad. So I had to go out and go to Home Depot and buy a space heater just to like survive it. And we couldn't get it above like 14, 15 degrees until uh, yesterday when it started heating up a little bit. So that's finally fixed. That's good because you don't want your kids to get too cold. But other than that, it was a pretty uneventful weekend. Uh Uh-huh. Uneventful. You're not going to say anything about how... Uh, people can see us now, Andrew. The <laughs> yes, people, this the is people true. can see us. I I thought I mean, you were I'm gonna lead to off. That's fair. I thought you were gonna lead off with, you know, that, not just about how cold it's been, because we know how cold it's been. It's wintertime. I mean, yeah, it's not nearly on. as it's not nearly as cold here in Pennsylvania, but it's still it's wintertime. But yeah, you can see us now. Congratulations. We're on YouTube. We did yes, it. So, we did it. We finally got there. We were supposed to do this a while ago, but uh so we got distracted. Us- for any growing pains, you know, anything of that nature, uh, as we get used to this. I mean, Andrew has a little bit of experience, uh, a little bit, just a little on uh, on YouTube. But uh, I'm kind of new to this thing. So if, you know, things seem a little bit weird for a while, just kind of like how when, when we started the show. Uh, it'll be weird for a bit, but it's the, still the same show at its core. So you'll be stuck with That's us true. through uh, hockey talk, pop culture, and more. Um, as for me... Not much, really. I mean, it was uh, it was a nice, relaxing weekend. I think I was talking to my family that, like, I haven't had a day off, like, to myself in what feels like a very long time, basically, since before the holiday, because a lot of stuff happened to me over the holiday with uh, personal stuff. So uh, when I had days off, they really weren't days off. So it was nice to have a couple of days off over the weekend um, and just play video games and be by myself and not really pay attention to sports for a little bit but uh there were sports that happened and the thing i wanted to start off talking about first is kind of how the eastern conference is basically all but locked up uh and this is sort of related to the flyers because we've talked about them last episode i believe um just a little bit at the end because of the bobby clark stuff but uh the real big thing is that the eastern conference is basically all but assured at least the teams are because the boston bruins um are kind of roadblocking everybody else in uh you know into the east because they have 35 games played compared to like 
everybody else is like 39, 37, 36 behind them. Um, and they've got, um, I believe, a seven-point lead um, on the Detroit Red Wings with four games in hand. So that leaves the Red Wings, Blue Jackets, Flyers, and Devils all out. And that's not even to mention the Islanders, who we haven't really talked a lot about. Uh, it's just having a really bad season, but I think we're all kind of discounting that um, just as like a really fluke year because some of us on this podcast predicted that they were going to make the Stanley Cup final and maybe yes. even win. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Yes, we do. I, I feel like we kind of skirted around the Islanders a little bit, but I think we're all kind of giving them a pass. I know that's kind of not what this is about, but we're kind of giving them a pass. I, it feels like I know it doesn't seem like Islanders fans are really upset this has just been a weird year with them starting on the like starting on the road for like 13 games or whatever in their new arena and they're just kind of they've fallen behind the eight ball and never were able to get back um so the eastern conference like i said is all but assured with uh teams currently as it stands top three in the metro is rangers hurricanes capitals top three in the atlantic is panthers lightning maple leafs and the two wild card spots are penguins and bruins and there is a seven point difference uh between boston who has that final wild card spot so there's really no drama in the east anymore it feels like it feels like the only drama is which i guess we'll talk about in a little bit is the you know where things in the atlantic end up because you kind of don't want to be sitting in you know the second and third spots but I mean, we're only at the beginning of January and half of the games haven't even been played already. And it feels like we know all the teams, Andrew. Yeah, jockeying for position is all there really is left. And frankly, I don't think that there's a good spot to be in in the Atlantic unless you could, you're in a wild card spot, spot and you end up facing the top team in the Met. If if that ends up being the Rangers, because I think the Rangers are a bit of a paper tiger, but overall, they're, like in the Eastern Conference, there's just no easy matchup in the playoffs. The teams are so good. Like in the Atlantic, especially like Florida, full on cup contender, Tampa Bay lightning, full on cup contender, Toronto Maple Leafs should be a full on cup contender. If they can get over their first round stuff, Boston Bruins, full on cup contender. Like these teams are incredible. And like you mentioned earlier, the Bruins have been playing solid hockey all season long, but hadn't really been able to get a, like a streak going. They'd like win two, lose one, win one, lose one, win two, lose one all season long. It just like never really had a solid momentum going. They were just playing good hockey, getting decent results, but not to the point where like Toronto has gone on a, a streak where they went like 22 and four, you know, so they hadn't had that. They're getting that now. Their top guys like Marshawn and Pasternak are scoring after relatively slow starts for the two of them. I mean, Marshawn's on pace for like 120 points now, which is ridiculous at his age. But it's really tough to see anyone else breaking in. And, you know, as maddening as the Islanders start has been, if there is any team that has any chance whatsoever of breaking into that last wildcard spot in the East, I still do think it is the Islanders, which is weird to say, but they have been coming on of late and they're the team that has the talent level to do that. I don't think they're going to, but it's possible like a severe outside shot, right? They also have 30 games played, at least as of Monday yes. when we're recording this. They're, they only have 30 games played and sure, they're like I said, behind the eight ball, but that's still like it's just a it 
it's been a weird year in general, but considering the, you know, a postponement of games, the Islanders have, you know, a lot of road ahead of them. So if they're, if they are going to make it in any capacity, it's going to be because they have so few games played that they'll be able to make up ground later on in the season. But yeah, who's the, to, you know, who's to say the treacherous part of that is like, yeah, they have 52 games left to play, but it's going to be, very difficult to win a lot of games when you have so many games in such a short period, right? It's there. Well, really a lot of them will be at them. home. A lot, a lot of them, them will, will be at home. home, but I don't know. I think, do you that's, think they have think, a lot of hope? No, I mean, that's why I kind of discounted them at the beginning of the segment. Like they, mm-hmm. it feels like they're out of it. It, it really does feel like the East is locked up. I don't see, you know, the, I, it, it's been a really fun showing from Detroit this year because uh, I don't think many people expected them to at least, you know, push the teams in the East uh, the way they have. Um, but I don't think they're making it. Columbus, I don't think they're making it. The Flyers, definitely not. We talked a little bit about them last time, but they're just, you know, they're, you know, stuck in their own little pit of misery. Um, the Islanders have the pedigree to do it. I just think that it's such the way an it's such a, yeah, it's such an uphill climb. And, I feel like we haven't really given the Pittsburgh Penguins their due. They only have lost two of their last 14 games, I believe. Yeah, and they're, they're still in the wild card spot. And they like, just got Malkin back. Yeah. And who I believe scored like two goals, had like two a goals points in his debut. Yeah. In his debut. Well, like, and let's put it this way for the Islanders. Let's say the Islanders are going to chase the Penguins, right? And they win every single game that they have in hand on the Penguins. That puts them up to, I believe, 42 points at this point. That's mm-hmm. seven behind the Penguins. So that means even if they were to win all their games in hand, they would still have to be eight points better for the remaining uh, 37 games. So 45 games of the season than the Penguins. Like, it's not It's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, like, it I really just, isn't. They but would I- have to be so damn good. And they just haven't been at any point this year that good. And I feel like, like I said, we have to give the Penguins their due because we haven't really talked about it. I mean, there's just been there's been so much. The last episode we had wasn't really a lot of like t- hockey talk on the ice is there's been so much happening off it. Um, but I really wanted to give the Penguins their due here because to me, it's just wild that they're still in the wild card spot after being so blistering hot. But it's because their beginning part of the season and like you know november wasn't really such a good month for them but they're playing incredible hockey right now and they're you know two points out um behind washington for that third spot in the metro but the east is just a beast of its own right now it really is and switching to the atlantic because like we mentioned you don't there's no good spot here there really isn't because like you the biggest thing is you don't want to be two three in the Atlantic because then you're facing off against that other person like the other team and I mean you've got Florida right now in first in the Atlantic with 57 but they're tied with Tampa Bay who um, has played two more games than Florida right now Um, but the Panthers have been on a four game win streak Lightning on a three game win streak then you've got Toronto behind uh, six points behind both of them though they have four games in hand um, on the Lightning Um, so it's just a big old mess in there in terms of just like there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position as you said 
um, in the Atlantic. And it's going to be one of those things is like, you know, it's musical chairs, basically. At the end of the season, who's the last one, you know, standing at that, at that, like that position of having to face the other Atlantic team? Because that's just going to be, I know that the NHL wants the playoffs to be that way in terms of like, like, you know, you get your, you get your like division rival uh, first to make more exciting matchups. But I feel like, whomever is in the Atlantic, those should be like later, later games, like in the playoffs They're because they're just such good teams. It's a shame to knock one of them out so early. Yeah. I mean, frankly, the biggest issue that I see with the league right now is that there's only two great teams in the Western conference. Yeah. Like the Western conference is just, it's the sad sister right now <laughs> for a while. It was the Eastern conference. That was that not anymore. Uh, the balance of power has shifted so dramatically to the East that like, if those two, like if everybody if it went one through 16, or if you were matching up like conference against conference, the only two Western conference teams that I'd be confident would make it out of the first round would be Colorado and Vegas. And even Vegas, they haven't been that great this year. A lot of it has to do with injuries. It's just that I think that there's such good foundation to that team and they are going to get Jack Eichel back before the playoffs. Most likely, so that makes them very, very dangerous. But overall, like even Vegas, I'm not sure if like going through the Atlantic, I don't know if they beat any of the Atlantic teams going no. through the Metropolitan. I don't think they beat Carolina and I'm not sure about Washington or Pittsburgh. I, I again, I'm on record saying I think the Rangers are a paper tiger, but they're better than almost everyone in the West. And they're getting you know? good goaltending. They're they getting are. really good. Oh, goal they're tending. getting heart trophy level goaltending. Mm hmm. So it that's definitely impacting them this year. Um, and it is just it's it's so fascinating to look at the standings because it I know technically we should be in the halfway point and some teams are, I guess, in the halfway point. Like some teams uh, like Anaheim has played 41 games um, and some other teams are at 40 games like Tampa Bay is at 40. So basically half their season is over. But then you get to teams like the Islanders have only played 30. Um, so it feels like we're in a weird, like we're basically halfway through the season in some respects, but not in others. So um, this was already a weird year to begin with, with the pandemic, but that's just something to, you know, I guess look forward to, but the East, like I said, is all but wrapped up. So it's really just moving, uh, position up and down basically, um, which is kind of a shame because it's, it, you don't want to see playoff spots locked up this early because then where's you know the drama but i guess that's going to come from the western conference uh because uh, uh coming up next we're going to talk about the oilers again because they are the biggest uh story um in terms of you know i think the nhl right now because uh connor mcdavid continues to face plant in his leadership and his uh quotes um you know are you know not great for uh someone you want as a captain of your team uh so we're going to talk about that coming up right after this Bet Online would like to wish you a new happy betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, Andrew. So, like I said before, we went to break. 
the Oilers uh, are continuing to faceplant because they are now, as of Monday, four points out of a wild card position and are two six and two in their last ten games with a three game losing streak. I know um, Scott and I talked about the Oilers uh, when he was on taking over for you um, two weeks ago. Basically, it was at this point. Um, so we talked about it a little bit then. Uh, but I figured I wanted to get your opinions on these things too, Andrew, because obviously you're the second co-host of this podcast and, <laughs> you know, your opinion is very important to me. But also there's not really, I think, a bigger story in the NHL right now than the Oilers. We mentioned last week when we talked about Evander Kane because that is also dragged into this because they seem to be the front runners um, and McDavid's uh, quotes about that not being up to, you know, par with what we would want. From a leader, but the biggest thing is uh, his quote on the most recent loss is basically he just said, "I'm not sure what to tell you," uh, when asked about you know why the Oilers uh, had lost the way they did because I believe they held a three-one lead and then choked it away and lost. So it is it's not great in Oilers land right now. And you said on the last podcast that essentially that you don't think McDavid is a good leader, and um, I think more evidence is pointing to that. Uh, with every passing day, it feels like. I know your quote was, or your, you know, your statement was based on the stuff about Evander Kane, but this is just, you don't want your, the captain of your team, your leader saying you don't know what's wrong and you can't, and you don't know, like, that you don't know what to say about these losses. Yeah. I think the, the issue with that is McDavid probably does know what's wrong, but if he were to call it out, it would essentially be him raking management and ownership over the coals. Like I'm pretty sure that Connor McDavid knows that outside of him and dry the team drastically struggles. Like uh, someone in media pointed it out in a press conference with Ken Holland earlier this week, that they're outscored two to one when those guys are off the ice. That's bad. That's, that's more than bad. That's absolutely disastrous. Like you cannot survive in the NHL like that. And that comes down to the Oilers have not been built properly. You know, like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are playing almost half of every game. Forwards don't really do that, right? They're bringing home award after award. They're putting up legendary offensive seasons, and still they can't drag this team kicking and screaming into the playoffs past round one. You know, like they barely have made the playoffs. It's sad. Like, I'm kind of at a loss for words for where the Oilers should go here because there's no quick fix available to them. There are things that they can do to be better this season. And maybe because dry and McDavid are so good, they can go on a cup run. Like they could acquire a goalie. I think that if you were to place a bet right now on something that the Oilers are definitely going to do at the deadline, it's going to be trading for Mark Andre Fleury because he's not going anywhere in Chicago. Like they're not going to make the playoffs. So why would he stay there? It makes no sense for him. I think that outside of just on a pure goaltending basis, Flurry brings something to the dressing room that Edmonton probably really needs, like some levity, some good humor. He's apparently just like one of the most well-liked people in NHL history. I feel like they could really, really benefit from that. But outside of the goaltending, like the depth is shattered. You know, like there just isn't much there to write home about. I think the biggest issue I have is like people are like, oh, well, Holland doesn't want to trade the first round picks or whatever or futures for quick fixes. They have no choice. 
because Dreisaitl and McDavid are 26 and 25 years old. Like this is their prime years. If you're not willing to trade the future for the now, now you don't deserve to be a general manager in this game because this is the time when you're supposed to be competing. You can't build through the draft anymore. You're not building for when McDavid and Dreisaitl are 32. That doesn't make any sense. You know, like the Capitals ended up winning with Ovechkin in his later years. Sure, that's rare in today's game. You're not going to do that with franchise players anymore. So and the other thing was Ovechkin signed that crazy contract like right out of his uh, rookie contract, right? So he was relatively affordable years on. When McDavid is like mid-30s, he's going to be making like $16 million a year. So it becomes tougher and tougher under the cap. I just don't understand how the Oilers have been so incompetent that they had Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Nugent Hopkins down the middle, and all you have to do at this point is do the easiest job in the NHL, acquire competent wingers. They're plentiful. They're everywhere. They're relatively cheap. You don't need to find the best goal scorers in the world. Those guys will make them for you. Look what Pittsburgh has done repeatedly throughout Crosby's career. We talk about Mark Donks and Buzz Flibbits. That's because they have Crosby and Malkin and Edmonton has not learned that lesson. They don't know what's effective. They haven't learned from their mistakes. They haven't learned from their successes either. It's just absolutely maddening. And I kind of like jokingly say, oh yeah, McDavid's going to ask for a trade out. I don't think he will because he's like company man through and through. Wouldn't be surprised if Drysdale does though. I think yeah. at a certain point, this kind of garbage weighs heavily on you and you have to start looking at other markets and think, why are we not as successful as them when we have better pieces than them? And for people saying like, oh, well, it's hard to get an unrestricted free agent to sign in Edmonton because it's Edmonton. First of all, I know Edmonton's cold. I grew up in Alberta. I grew up five up no five hours north of Edmonton, where it was a lot colder than Edmonton. And Edmonton is a city that frankly gets a bad rap. It is a pretty damn good city, especially in the summer where they have tons of stuff. They call it the festival city for a reason. They have the beautiful river Valley. They have great restaurants in Edmonton. It's actually like in the actual city. It's a lot more lively than Calgary. Calgary just has amazing amenities around it. It's closer to the mountains, right? I don't think that's an issue when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl there. Like you think you're telling me that it's hard to convince guys, Hey, you're going to come play and ride a shotgun with McDavid or Dreisaitl every shift. You know, like give me a break. That's incompetence. So all this stuff that's gone on, I, I just don't understand why they're so unwilling to push things. And I will say like, there is some bad luck involved. Like how much better would the Oilers be right now? If Oscar Clefbaum was healthy, like I swear most people probably forgot who F Oscar Clefbaum is, but when he, before he was injured, he was like in the top 30 defensemen in the entire league. That's a huge loss. And he's just been gone for two seasons now. So there is some bad luck there, but there's also a ton of bad bets, a ton of bad moves and essentially no accountability for this Oilers management group and the ownership group. That's put those management people in place. And I just, it's such a sad state of affairs that they're going to waste this talent because at this point, it seems pretty clear they're going to waste it. Yeah. And I think that's why in their minds getting like trying to get Evander Kane makes sense because you can get him. You could easily sell him on playing with McDavid and Drysaddle because like you said, who wouldn't want to? I mean, Edmonton is a beautiful city. I know like people rag on it for the cold, but it is a wonderful city. 
Um, but I think that's part of the reason why they, you know, the Oilers are, it feels like desperate to get Evander Kane because, you know, they don't have to give up anything other than cap space to get him. It'll be on a, like basically a one-year deal. Um, solves some of the problems in terms of, you know, adding depth scoring, but it doesn't solve all of them. So like from their perspective, I understand why they're doing it because it seems like it is a, you know, almost like a quick fix solution they don't have to give up much to get him um and there is also a way out here for the oilers just in general they they do have time to turn this around they've played 35 games this year um so they there's still more than half their season left to go um and they're really not too far out of it yet they just need to turn it around quickly because you know the the longer this goes on the deeper the hole is going to get and the harder it's going to be to drag themselves out of it. Um, so they either need to make a move soon or, you know, fix something mentally and get themselves back on track because there is still time to fix this. Do the Oilers, is it better for them to make the playoffs? That I think is another discussion altogether because it just depends on how you view the state of the Oilers organization overall because you mentioned Andrew it is kind of a management failure in terms of like how they got to this point but it's kind of like the Flyers because a lot of Flyers fans are debating whether you know do you blow it up and restart it? Do you build around Carter Hart? Um, or do you just try and you know plug more pieces into the puzzle? The Oilers are kind of the same. Do you blow it up and keep McDavid and Dreisaitl and like that seems to be a bad decision considering like they're all they're they're in their primes now what are you gonna do yeah it's too late so they they almost have no choice here right like they cannot afford to miss the playoffs they really can't and I think that's what boggles the mind is that they're in this position to miss the playoffs and they just, they seem like you talk about they're desperate to get a Vander Kane. Like, yeah, possibly, but I don't feel the desperation overall. Like they should solve this goaltending situation now. Yeah. Like it's so bad. Yeah. It, it's awful. And they went into it. Like it, sh- it was so obviously awful before they went. Into and Mike season. Smith isn't even the problem, which is the funniest part. I mean, like he's, he hasn't played, but he's not. Well, it's a problem that he's ancient and can't stay healthy right yeah like he's played six games this season and the frank i mean he hasn't been great he's got an eight 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 ninety nine or eight ninety eight save percentage this season in six games it's not good right mm-hmm. like they expected him to repeat last season which was never gonna happen it was such mm-hmm. an outlier for him and it's just i guess he's just so doing indirect damage here yeah he's doing right. indirect damage by being injured but he's not like the problem in terms of like he's not in net and he hasn't collapsed completely he's just not playing because he's injured which means you know Miko Koskinen and Stuart Skinner um have you know taken duties in in net and it just hasn't been good there at least according to hockey reference Miko Koskinen has a 900 save percentage uh and Stuart Skinner has a 907 so it is a very bad uh like terrible and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl cannot outscore that type of goaltending they need something and Mark andre Fleury, like you said is like the consensus in terms like pick in terms of like the goaltender they'll go after um but you maybe wonder about boston with their weird carousel of goalies now that Tugarask is back yeah the um, only thing that i'd be worried about there is that the guy that boston's probably looking to offload is linus allmark right mm-hmm. and he's signed a term 
And I don't think the Oilers can afford that because the Boston Bruins are not trading Jeremy Swayman. Yeah. And Tuka Rask is not leaving either because otherwise, why would he have signed? Yeah. Why would he have? Yeah. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's really down to Marc-Andre Fleury or perhaps Jake Allen. Jake mm-hmm. Allen is more affordable. He probably wouldn't cost as much either, but he has like less consistency to him than Flurry does. But he could be an option. Like he could be good enough to hold the fort for Edmonton and make them worthwhile. But the the thing about the uh, the Oilers, right, is they've gone from first in the league in all situations for expected goals for percentage, and they're now down to eleventh. Right. So they've built up all that headway and they're just plummeting out of nowhere. And part of that comes down to like their power play regressing a little bit. It's no longer twice as good as anybody else's power play where they were scoring like uh, an expected 16 goals per 60 or something like that. They're actually scoring more than expected. Still, they're scoring 12 goals per 60, which is nuts. But at, at even strength, they're just not very good. And that's been the case for a very long time. I think if I were in charge of the Oilers right now, there's two things that you could do relatively cheaply that could make this team maybe not a cup contender, but they're going to make the playoffs. You get Marc-Andre Fleury, you put him in net, and then you fire Dave Tippett and you hired Claude Julien. Because Claude Julien has proven time and time again throughout his coaching career, he can squeeze blood from a stone to make teams outplay other teams at even strength. His teams just always do the Canadians teams that weren't making the playoffs over the last several years. They always outplayed their opponents at even strength. They just sucked on special teams. Edmonton already has the special teams figured out. Just don't change anything, but bringing Claude Julien, you've got almost 50 games to figure things out. They will get there, you know, and Mark Andre Fleury behind that. It'll really help. But I don't think that they have the inclination to fire Dave Tippett based on what Ken Holland was saying. And I don't think that they would hire Claude Julien if they could, because I just don't think they make the best decisions. So they're kind of stuck here where it's only going to be moving around personnel. And it, to me, in outside of flurry, it's just going to be moving deck chairs on the Titanic because I just don't see a top four defenseman that's available that could change things for them. I feel like they're more likely to acquire like Ben Sherratt and that'll just sink them further. Yeah. It, you know, if they were smarter as an organization, there's a way out here and quickly. I mean, obviously it depends a lot on, you know, player performances, but it really seems as if they're going to take the nuclear option. Uh, Cause it, I think it's so frustrating because like you said, we can, we can see a way out for them. We have you charted a really nice course here. Like this isn't unsolvable. There's still time to salvage this, but it seems as if they're not going to do that. They think that they're. It's the it's the this is fine meme. It really yep. is. They're they're the this is fine dog. This is exactly like the situation we find ourselves in with the Oilers, and it's just a shame that. Uh, I mean, look at what Vancouver did. Vancouver finally cut their losses and changed things around, and it's put them back in contention um, after being one of the worst teams in the NHL uh, earlier this year. The Oilers, if you know, they change things up, you know, fire their head coach, make a trade, they c- they can turn this around. They're the numbers are still on their side. 
uh, I know it's slimmer than it was before. But the numbers are still on their side, but it is just frustrating because we can see a path forward for them and they're just not taking it. But uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about something fun and something lighthearted. And I hope we're not going to you know, get too argumentative over uh, all-star rosters and all-star jerseys because that is still a thing that's happening uh, because no Olympics. So, you know, we're going to have uh, the all-star break. They were planning on it anyway, but uh, we're going to have more players than we thought we were going to, and it seems to be a fun time, but we're going to talk about that coming up right after this. All right, Andrew. Uh, like I said before the break, we are going to talk about uh, all-star rosters and all-star jerseys because uh, those were announced, um, I believe, right before the weekend. So uh, we've got, you know, some time, we had some time to, you know, marinate on our, you know, on the NHL's decisions uh, because we're never going to get, you know, another John Scott uh, ever in uh, the the NHL All-Star Game, which is a shame because that was such a fun story and it will never happen again because the NHL does not like fun. But still, um, I'm not going to list the entire roster here because that's just a lot of players. Um, but the captains are Alex Ovechkin for the Metro, Austin Matthews for the Atlantic, Nathan McKinnon for the Central, and Connor McDavid for uh, the Pacific. Um, I wanted to mention the biggest thing, which is some snubs, because uh, there was no Sidney Crosby, which is a surprise for some people. Um, but I think a couple other players on Pittsburgh may have earned the honor uh, more. Um, and that is Tristan Jari. And then I believe their last man in candidate is uh, Jake Gensel, um, which I think they're both incredibly well-deserved. I know people want to see Sidney Crosby, but to me, Trevor Zegers is the, the biggest uh snub here because uh of his incredible goal that he helped uh facilitate and we are not going to see him at all in the all-star game and the all-star game is above all else supposed to be fun and trevor zegers i think gave us maybe one of the most fun moments of the nhl season we've had so far uh so it is it is a big snub in my opinion but it would be cool to see the NHL incorporate him in other ways if possible. But uh, that's my opinion so far on the all-star rosters uh, as they've laid out. Do you have any opinions on them, Andrew? Uh, do you know what they need to do is they need to bring back. You remember they used to have the rookie showcase at the all-star game. I think so. Yeah. They need to bring a, 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 a I don't remember if it was rookie showcase or if it was like a young player showcase, but I think it would be very fun because they do this like tournament format now. Mm hmm. It'd be very fun to do like a round robin tournament and have like a rookie all star team and a sophomore all star team. So they come in, they're separate, right? And they battle against the division. So like the rookie team can swoop in and take that prize money from the veterans. It'd be I like think that would like, be super entertaining. Be like Team North America Reborn, essentially. Yes. This is like a similar idea because that was the idea. Was it, it was basically what under 23s from north america and yeah. and or like canada and north america and something to that team some of europe as well which is yeah so awful. like like bring back the like the spirit because that was like the spirit of team north america was, yes 100 you know, the, young the young kids that wanted to spoil the party and i think yeah. that would add a lot of intrigue to the all-star game but honestly i think the biggest snub is nazim Kadri. oh yeah that's the true the season that he's had has been incredible especially with like nathan mckinnon missing time He's really been the guy who's carried the avalanche in a lot of ways. And I know he's slowed down a little bit, but like Brad Marchand was snubbed. He's not even on the last one in. I, mm -hmm. I also find this last one in thing. Why are you limiting it 
And why don't you just let people vote for who they want? Uh, because they don't want another John Scott situation. Andrew, it's we boring. we talked about this. It's I it's boring, but they don't want this again because they would get you know people voting for I don't know Tom Wilson. Okay, so I'm the... I'm changing my mind. Here's here's what they should do. They should do the four division teams, a rookie team, and then out of all those that are left over, fans vote in another team. And See, this is too team. fun. This is I a know. great idea, but this is Isn't too it? fun for the NHL to ever implement. paying me for this idea. They, yes, because these are incredible ideas. Because I still enjoy the All-Star game, like the weekend. It's just fun. It's a nice, fun <laughs> levity. I know. And it is there for the people in the city. It's there for the kids to go and have a good time. I still enjoy it in general just because it's usually hockey Twitters can be fun around that time. Yeah. Uh, there's often, you know, some you know we rag on something whether it be the jerseys which i actually think are fine this year i think they're actually the least offensive all-star jerseys we've had in some time they're just very basic with the nhl logo in the middle and some like the and like blue and red the stripes and it's very very basic and it's very inoffensive but i don't like the blue one because i don't usually outside of the Kraken jersey like multiple tones of blue on the oh, same jersey. Blue is my favorite color so I actually yeah, like I, that jersey. I but... don't like blue but I think it works better like that on the white jersey where the blue like you can have multiple tones of blue but it's like the accent color mm-hmm. when it's like the solid blue it's like the Jets jersey. I really don't like the Jets home jersey. It's just too much, much blue. solid blue. Whereas I really I like the red slash maroon white jersey. That's really solid. Um, but yeah, they're, they're fine. I don't hate the blue. I don't love the blue. They're a very, they're milk toast, right? They're fine. Yeah. They're, they're inoffensive, which I think is maybe the best thing you can say about them because for years we've had, uh, all-star jerseys that have riled people up to no ends. You know, the neon black and green ones, the ones from St. Louis that had the, the, that was like a basically a musical like the musical notes basically like the the musical bars yeah my musical training is failing me i used to know what these things were but now i don't anymore but people got really like we're really not a big fan of those the the year john scott was in it was like the black and yellow ones too and white so they've had very wacky designs this at least just stays within very basic Reds, blues, whites, blacks. It's just very simple. Um, it's the best thing you can say about these jerseys because considering how much we've talked smack about other NHL jerseys from, you know, the Devil's Jersey jersey and the the Predators um, what Stadium Series jersey with their weird, the weird font on the front. And uh, this is at least, it's a win in my category because it's not bad. It's at yeah. least, like, passable. Like, they're, you're right in there. Back. Milk yeah, like toast. what's the last ones that I actually legitimately liked? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to remember. Like they're they're usually just very bad. So at least this is just passable. And I think even, that's fine. Even when they manage to pick like decent color combos, I find they like build the jersey in a way that's like, why would you do that? Yeah. It they're fine. And I think and the thing I can say most about them is no one was complaining about them on Twitter. At least what I saw. Like, yeah. usually you get some people complaining. This, nothing. Radio silence. I don't know if that's just because we're so... We've been riled up so much about other stuff that at this point we're like, we can't do this anymore. 
like about Jersey. Yeah, you can't be you upset about the All Star Game anymore. Like yeah. it's time to not. Do it's that. fine. <laughs> I enjoy it just as a. Just make it better. Yeah, it can be better, but the NHL doesn't want to make it better. So that's kind of like where I'm resigned to. Like it can be a lot better with your ideas, other ideas people have tossed out there. I mean, I've seen people being like it should just stay in Vegas the whole time and become a destination, but then that kind of defeats the purpose of like um, bringing it to like other cities and getting other teams' fans in and bringing in more revenue. Who I don't know, like. Um, but there is also debate to be made. Should the NHL have one representative from each of the 32 teams or should they just go for the best players? Because uh, you don't really need uh, certain players. Uh, I don't think like you, I don't think you really need like a Zach Wierenski. Nobody's going to go to the all-star game to see Zach Wierenski. No offense, Zach Wierenski. No, like, you don't need Rasmussen. To... You don't need... You know, your Clayton Kellers, like, you know, yeah. you could have had a spot for Trevor Zegris and, you know, we got Clayton Keller instead. And I think what it comes down to is, is it for kids or is it for everyone? Because mm-hmm. if it's for kids only, then, yeah, you want representation from every team so that every kid can have somebody there. But if you want it to be an entertaining product, you're going to just have to go best players. Although my idea of the voting in team and the rookie team between those, you're going to have every team represented. Yeah. I feel you're like just increasing the floor basically because yes. you're adding more teams and more players. Exactly. So and I think that might a be a far more entertaining product at yes. the same time. I think that might be the best of both worlds. I mean, I don't want to see the, I hate the event where they, you know, try and toss like stick handle the puck into those small nets. I can't oh, do that. Yeah. It I can't do that. Like- the pa- adding passing to the skills competition every year i convince myself that i like the skills competition and every <laughs> year i watch it and i'm like this is just bring the shootout it's back so slow and so boring and like i like the idea of a passing competition in theory but their execution of it is so terrible like do you remember the one where they had like uh, they had to get the puck through like this giant box thing that had a hole in it and it would like light up once you shot it through the right yes. hole or something. Yes. Where and it was watch, like a specific like, height. Was that, yeah. was that one? Yeah. Yeah. That one. And I remember watching, I think it was Eric Carlson, one of the most skilled players in like the history of the NHL. And he just hits the box, hits the box. And it's like five, six times in a row. He can't get the puck in the damn hole. And I'm pretty sure he just picked up the puck and put it through it. Yeah. And it's like, this is not, showcasing the skill of these guys we need it, to bring back the shootout first yes 100 bring back the shootout. bring back the shootout do you remember i think they used to do a thing also where they would do like three on o's where Maybe? it was like it was like the goalie skill competition it would be like three players and i specifically remember watching like uh an all-star game and it was like mario lemieux brett hall and somebody else going down in a three on o on another goaltender and it's like that's incredible to watch like just let these guys play exactly. around and try to score. Yeah. Yeah. Do cool things that mimic actual game states. Don't bring in small nets and crap like that. Like yeah. hardest shot is entertaining because it's, it's very simple. Hardest shot. Fastest skater is simple. Fastest skater. And easy fun. and fun because they're, you know, it's you're just looping around the the rank and seeing how fast you are. Yeah. They're, the NHL has a habit of easy. overthinking. Yeah. 
I agree. Uh, but definitely bring back the shootout because, you know, I think the NHL All-Star game went downhill ever since whomever couldn't light their stick on fire that one year. Whatever, whoever it was. Johnny Gaudreau, maybe. Yeah, Johnny Gaudreau. That sounds about right. They, just, they should allow mm. for more creativity. Like, I get you've seen a shootout, you've seen the ball, but like allow props that one time whomever used the other person as like uh, the stick, like I don't know. I think Jake Voracek was involved with getting maybe like a kid or somebody else to shoot for him. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Also, I feel like they switched away from having NHL goaltenders because the shootout became like a trick competition. And like that can be fun. But didn't they did, didn't they have a competition where goalies with goalie goals? I thought they like put goalies behind the red yes. line and they would try they should, to shoot it down the ice. I still yeah. I think that's fun. That's just yeah. that's a novelty. You don't you don't see goalie goals and it takes often. not very long. But I think the main thing is going to be they have to keep it moving. No time between events, like no events that drag where guys like just trying to fire a puck into a mini net or a tiny little hole. It's just dumb. And they have to make it so that there's some level of competition to it because as much as the shootout can be funny and like have like those entertaining moments, like you bring a kid out and that's fun or you do the Ovechkin thing where you have like flags and stuff or PK Subban putting on another team's Jersey. That's fun. But when they take out like an NHL goalie out of it, so it becomes a bit of a farce and you're just trying to get the goal. Like everyone has to be trying a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's cool to try neat stuff, but also like try, try to score. Yeah. like put an it, effort in yeah it, when it gets too goofy it's it's like a one thing that could be a fun one-off but like not every year it can't yeah. be that every and they year. tried so, to do that like shoot the puck from super high and try and get it close kind of like what dude perfect used to do i don't know they did that at the uh, the st louis one i think and it was just bad yeah. um i think i heard that they wanted to try and incorporate elements of vegas like outside into it and i think that's a neat idea i know that it's supposed to be like a hockey thing i almost wish there were like multiple rinks they could utilize almost like the olympics because like it would be cool to see instead of fastest skater like just them going around a lap i'd love to see them all race together but a hockey rink isn't really there isn't enough space it's too no. dangerous but if you had something like a speed skating rink which is bigger i think by you know yeah like long normal. track yeah, like long track. Like, I think that would be cool. That's just a lot more work, though. Basically, what I'm just asking for is uh, use of Olympic facilities in terms of yeah. like. But then you'd have to move the fans from different spots. Yeah, I know. I like I... Even if the NHL had access to like side by side rinks with nothing in between, just like a mm -hmm. glass partition, they'd end up doing something stupid like a defenseman lobs the puck over the glass and the forward has to one time it into a half size net. And you're like, stop. Yeah, I mean, I know we're we're over kind of overcomplicating it, but I, there's so many avenues here for fun, and I feel like they're just kind of restricted by their you know lack of creativity, but also you know thinking inside the rink too much. I know they tried to think outside of the rink for that one competition where they were you know trying to shoot pucks from on top of the rink, but no, that took too long. That was too much. Try, I don't know. There's more avenues for them to go here, but they're not going to do it because they're the NHL and they hate fun and we should have known this ever since they took away the ability for players to draft themselves because that used to be a lot of fun yes, and that, that doesn't happen fun. anymore and now it's just you know your 
standard fare with the way it is now. And then, of course, you know, the John Scott thing happened and then we were robbed of all joy for the rest of our lives. Uh, but that's the that's the All-Star game. I am looking forward to it next month. It's just a nice little weekend reprieve of niceness. And you can ignore it if you want. You don't have to watch it if you do not care to. You're not missing anything important. I just like the levity it brings. It's just... It is... It's certainly something. Uh, but coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, pop culture. We're going to finish off the show with our uh, weekly pop culture segment that we do. And that's coming up right after this. It's the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which should be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. I like week three, you're thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars, however, are coming in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, in the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats. Replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's many flavors to choose from. From coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, milk brownie mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew. So final part of our show for our listeners, and I guess watchers now because people are watching us on YouTube, uh, is our pop culture roulette segment. And none of us put anything in our in the document for uh, today. Uh, so that bodes well. Um, <laughs> I haven't been doing much in terms of pop culture. I've just been playing video games like usual. I think I said I was replaying Horizon Zero Dawn uh, in preparation for the sequel, which comes out basically a week from today which is really cool i've been looking forward to that for a while it's wild that i played that in 2017 um it feels like uh, so much has happened since then and it has also felt like uh, no time has passed at all since then um because i'd been looking forward to a sequel for a while and it's just nice to you know look for look forward to something because uh last year for video games like i spent a lot of time not playing any new ones just catching up on some old ones so now it's just like yay anticipation excitement all that kind of stuff um so that's kind of it oh i also rewatched how to train your dragon with my friends uh over discord uh fantastic and, series and yeah i think we're gonna i think because i've seen the first two i've not seen the third one i don't know if we'll watch the third one but the first one still holds up i mean the music is great like it's just very simple. I mean, also Jay Baruchel, uh, friend of the show. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, we did interview him way, way back. Um, way, way back in one of the... Man, that was like one of the first months of the show. Or maybe yeah. in the first month. So been. and <clears throat> And I definitely was like, hey, you know, I interviewed this guy. <laughs> My friends uh, are not sports people and do not care. And they're like, yeah, all right, Mary. That's cool. But all right, <laughs> let us watch the movie. So that's kind of all I've done. Uh, not really much in general. I know I still have not gotten to 
the Boba Fett series, still have not watched Hawkeye. I'm, I was telling my sister I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, there's too much. And even my sister actually recently watched Eternals since it's now on Disney+. Plus. Um, she's like, I, she broke it up into multiple chunks um, and watched it and she enjoyed it. And I'm like, that's nice. I don't know if I'll watch it. I'm getting to the point where there's just too much. And I don't know if it's just me. And, and you know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if things are starting to pass me by. But what about you, Andrew? What what have you done? Uh, I'm caught up on Boba Fett, but I won't talk about that yet because there's, uh, you know, spoiler warnings and Star Wars people get super upset. Um, I'm enjoying it, though. The first episode did not capture me the way the first episode of The Mandalorian did. But the second episode is really, really good. And the third one was pretty good, too. So... Definitely worthwhile. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who are upset about it because they have this head canon about a character who had like one line in all of Star Wars and was never actually developed and just looked cool. And they thought that he was just this like crazy ass kicker who killed everyone who he saw. And it was clearly not the case. I think the direction they're going with it is fantastic. It brings in a lot of uh, interesting context to the star wars universe which is always good because the movies are relatively devoid of that so pretty cool that way and uh, i don't know if i mentioned it last time but while i was sick over the holidays and quarantining i watched only murders in the building you did yeah and that series is quite fun Mm -hmm. there's like this huge trend i find in tv series and i don't know if it's translated to movies yet so far but there's shows that have um their central thrust is like a podcast mm-hmm. and often like a investigative journalist podcast or a murder podcast. And this is the first one that I've watched that isn't shit. <laughs> and I watched a different one and it started, started uh, Octavia Spencer. So I was like, Oh, Octavia Spencer. That was, re- that's like interesting. I'll watch anything she's in. And it was so bad mm-hmm. and so poorly written that it has a second and I think third season now. And I was like, nah, I'm not, not going into that. Not the first season I watched just to get through it and have the ending. It's awful. Uh, but this one, Only Murders in the Building, is super fun. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez essentially. Oh, play. okay. That's that's right. That's that. That's, yeah. Okay. I, they all live in the same. I forgot the title. Building. Yeah, I forgot the title of it, but I've heard about that, and that seems like a fun cast just to watch do stuff. It's super charming. Yeah. Super charming. And like very irreverent and it sounds dumb to put two very old actors with com- comedy Gomez. actors with Selena Gomez, who's like primary. I know she was on Disney Channel stuff yeah, or primarily that's... a singer. Right. But it works. Singer Disney Channel. I think it yeah. goes hand in hand. It works really well. And also, I was shocked to find out Selena Gomez is 29. I was like, geez. Yeah. I, she I was mean, a kid. She's a, yeah, she's around my age. I mean, I grew up watching her on Disney yeah. Channel. That she I can know still that... pass for like 22, probably. Mm, yeah. She's, yeah. You know, it's wild uh, seeing all these, you know, actors I grew up watching, like Miley Cyrus and stuff like that, have the arc she has had in her life. Uh, it's just really interesting. The passage of time, Andrew, is, is quite something. Yes, it takes no prisoners. No, God, no, it does not. We are in another year of our of our lives, and God, it is certainly <laughs> it is it's certainly a year, Andrew. It's coming up uh, on the second anniversary of pandemic lockdown. Yeah, and then soon it'll be our eventually will be our uh, an- first anniversary of doing a year doing the show. 
that's but true. That's, it's that's around not the same for, time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So, a lot to look forward to in the springtime because that isn't for another couple of months. But God, March, uh, March is twenty twenty two is just gonna be. Oh, it's just March twenty twenty all at all time. It's just March twenty twenty, Andrew. Yeah, it has never not been March twenty twenty. Yeah, it's never not been March twenty twenty. But that's all we have for you today on the Crosstrek NHL Show. As part of the Locked On Podcast Network, make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and now YouTube. And rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me and Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday with some more puck talk, but now make your second listen Locked on Bets. Locked on Bets, your daily one stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. <laughs>